Good morning. I am Jerry, and I'm really delighted to be with you this morning. So, the title of this message is Spilt Blood. Kind of a gruesome title. But there is a price for the gospel. And it's my prayer that today I can help form a bridge between the animal sacrifice that was offered in Leviticus 16 that was called for and the current, um, our ability to know our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, out of the dry and crusty book of Leviticus, we have, I think, one of the most grace-engrossed stories in the Bible. Um, Leviticus 16 offers us a snapshot of hopeless people who are offered forgiveness and atonement to God at the stiff price of animal sacrifice. Of course, in 12 centuries, this would be blown wide open when Christ came and offered us forgiveness and atonement through himself. There are three parts to this message. The first is the gravity of sin. The second is the grace that we get through sacrifice. And third, the glory of atonement. Now, before I start, I'd like to talk a little bit about this book of Leviticus. It's an amazing, uh, amazingly symmetrical book. On the outside edges, we have the um, rituals that the Israelite people could be engaged in. Then we have the duties of the um, priests inside that. And then we have God's thoughts on purity and cleanliness. In the very center, we have today's message, which is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Um, I'm going to read this and then say a brief prayer, and then we'll all continue. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. He shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban, for these are holy garments. He shall bathe his body and then shall put them on. And then he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel 
two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his household. Then he shall take two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be present, presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. The word of the Lord. Father God, I just pray, I thank you for your scripture, I thank you for your word, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see that you would take the plugs out of our ears. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would allow your truth to pass my lips. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. The Hebrews were lost. We know the reason why they were in a pickle continues to be the reason why we are still in a pickle, which is sin. Um, there's first the sins that we all confront. There is misrepresentation, those times when we don't speak that we could clarify, those times when we shade meetings, those times when we dare I say, lie. We have sins of the flesh. We're all beset by them. We have disrespect and doing what is not to be done and not doing what is to be done. Now, this point when Hebrews 16 is written, remember, that was when they were in the wilderness, that 40 years. It was a terrible time. We know that Moses freed them from the um, uh, Moses freed them from Egypt, and now they were in the desert for forty years. We know from reading Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy that they indulged in incessant whining. The Hebrews were in a sorry state. They were complaining, they were faithful in it, faithlessness, they had disrespect. Um, we all know about the golden calf and the idolatry that they indulged in before Moses had time to come back. We know about the revolt of Korah. He wanted to get all of the Hebrews to have a revolt, they wanted to kill Moses and to take over for himself. Of course, the Lord swallowed up three families and then 
there was the plague that destroyed 14,000 of the Hebrews. This was a bad time. But I think this particular moment was maybe the darkest. Because now, because of what um, Adabad and Abihu did, they brought before God, they were taking his power and his um, uh, strength and they were applying it to themselves. God was not amused. So now, you have a just God and a broken and um, a people, and they were separated. Because you'll remember that Aaron, the priest, the intermediary, was not even allowed in the tabernacle. So this was the grimmest of all periods. So, what God in his own allowed was for a path to be made for this to be um, for the atonement to be uh, achieved. So, we have um, before oops, before we're too uh, critical of the Hebrews, let's remember that they were in a state of systemic sin. Now let me ask a question. How many here, how many people here have been enslaved? How many have had parents who were enslaved, grandparents and great-grandparents? This is the state that the Hebrews were in. They'd come out of slavery. What impact does this have on your mind? I don't have a clue, but I'm sure it messes with your mind. And so God had to deal with that. And so perhaps the logic was that he would take two generations, 40 years, and come up with a new mindset on the part of the Hebrews before they went to the promised land. Nevertheless, um, they, this, I think, is a really good example that systemic sin, which we hear about now, is not a new thing. It's something that's plagued man from the beginning. Well, let's fast forward. So Derek Pulliam, a friend of mine from seminary, I was giving him a ride home one night, and we were talking about a book called The Continuing Church, which is a history of the Presbyterian Church. And many of you might know that the solid doctrine of the Presbyterian Church came out of the South in the first part of the 20th century. However, a number of leaders in that time were saying, you know what, segregation's an okay thing. It's good for African Americans, good for us, 
I don't see a problem. Now, to 21st century ears, that's an anathema. That sounds awful. But they couldn't see it because it was in, it was the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist. They didn't even penetrate. Well, let's bring it forward. How about today? Let me speak for my city a couple miles to the north and to the, to the east. Baltimore has 300 murders a year. Less than one-third of all of the students don't graduate from, college, from high school. And of those that do, one in 10 don't have the minimum requirements for math. One in eight for English. So have you, and, and let us also remember that this, if you are watching news, and I don't care which news it is, the divisiveness and acrimony of society is huge. Now, am I pointing a finger? No. But I am saying that, this, that the sins of the age are like the water in a, in a fishbowl. That the fish aren't even aware of it because it surrounds them. So my friends, let us indeed never lose our distaste for sin. But on the other hand, let us always approach sin in others with a spirit of grace and humility because what we're engaged in um, is huge. This takes me to my second point, leaving sin, that sacrifice is actually grace-filled and it's not a punishment. What could the Hebrews have done? What could Aaron do? What, in fact, unassisted by God, is possible for us? Nothing. Nothing. And more nothing. God, out of his grace alone, allowed this path of redemption, it would need to be costly. He needed, God needed to find out a substitute for the penalty of sin. And it was sacrifice. So, a bull was offered up from Aaron for his family and household and his personal sins. Then there were two goats. One was sacrificed to the Lord as a sin offering, and the other was a scapegoat. So imagine, Aaron was to stand over the scapegoat, hold his hands, and offer confession and repentance for all of their sins. This scapegoat then was taken by another 
way far out into the wilderness where he was abandoned. In the times of the Hebrews, the abandonment was worse because remember, they were in the desert. And so he was, the, this poor goat was left in a place where there was little food, many predators, and no family. And so abandonment was a horrible thing. A couple other things to remember. At this point in history, people were not eating meat. And um, Moses actually called for families to supply their own lambs and in 17 said that you must bring your own lambs and goats to be sacrificed to the Lord. So let's look at this word, Yom Kippur. Yom means day, Kippur means atonement. Uh, it is still the high holy day for the Jewish religion. It starts on October 4th, the evening, and goes through the 5th, sundown. The word kafar, or atonement, in Hebrew means first to smear. So it's what you do over unseemly graffiti. It means pitch, taking and layering the outside of a boat, all of the cracks so that water would not get through. It means to appease the negotiation that would go between a suzerain ruler and his vassal. And it means to make amends and pay a fine. Now, this is a transaction. And in this transaction, the wrath of God would be turned away. This is called propitiation. And in this, what you have is sin, which is awful, God's wrath, which is just, and his grace, which is amazing. So, the second part of this talk is on the sacrifice being an act of grace, not punishment. Let me read you a section that comes out of Isaiah 1, 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord God. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So here's the point. If you're married, you know what sacrifice is. If you're a parent, it's no mystery to you. If you're a child and you know the chores that you need to do, if you're a brother or sister, if you are a friend, if you go to school, if you have a job, everyone in here knows what sacrifice is. But is, are we thanking God for the opportunity of having these sacrifices? The question is, 
Are we thanking God? Are we asking Him to point out our personal failings? Are we asking Him to be strengthened uh, through the temptation? The answer to this, if you've said the Lord's Prayer, is yes. But if you're like me, sometimes I'm tempted to say, really? Really? My last point is the glory of atonement. So we've talked about kafar. It's an idea that man is most fulfilled when he's rooted in God. It was that way for the Hebrews, for Aaron, and for each of us. So, here's the sequence. We have costly sacrifice. And from that, that pain opens up a door and it allows God to apply forgiveness. Once that forgiveness, all of a sudden, there is reconciliation. We are now linked to God. With this, we can now repent. And from there, you have a new heart. And with that new heart comes the glory of God. And that is everything. Let me take a few verses from the New Testament reading today. 2 Corinthians 5.17-19 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation. So this word, reconciliation, catalexantus, is on one level an exchange. This is what we see in Leviticus 16. We have the practice of sacrifice was not created by God. It was universal all over the Middle East. He merely applied it, and I might say softened it. So in its original, an animal was taken, cut in half, and when there was a contract, in those days it was called a covenant, the two men, the suzerain, the majority, the ruler, and the vassal would walk through in between the two animals and would shake hands. And the implication was, if I don't stand up to these rules and my agreement, may this happen to me. So already you can see 
that by offering the sacrifice of animals, God has softened this. But then, something happened. God. God brought Jesus Christ so that this was not merely an exchange, a deal, a quid pro quo. But now we have God himself walking through. We have Jesus Christ who's come to us and now he, it is his blood and it is his abandonment even from Lord God the Father that allows us open access to forgiveness and atonement And so, Analac, um, what we now have is new heart. This newness is the surprising cry of a newborn. It is the surprise in a troubling story. It is the new. Does it end suffering? No. But God does provide endurance. Does it end troubles? No. But it provides concurrent peace for us to withstand everything that's brought to us. Does it give us immediate solution? end to weakness and limitations. No, it does not. But it does bring us the love of God. So don't forget that now, as well as in Leviticus 16, we have spilt blood. Only it's not ours. It's that of Jesus Christ the scapegoat, so that we might be one with the Father, one with God the Son, and one with God the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for bringing us your wisdom and your truth. Help us to appreciate, Lord, the freedom that you've given us Um, and the greater understanding that has been um, offered to us in the name of Jesus Christ. I say amen.